0: they come the biggest games of the year or was that last week or the week before good morning to you good tuesday morning i'm dan Kovacovich of dk pittsburgh sports this is daily shot of penguins it comes your way right and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball i also offer daily shots of steelers and pirates that i hope you'll check out if i sound a little gassed it took a little longer than I'd expected to get back from covering the game up in Winnipeg and beyond that I'm kind of running out of material, you know. It this is this is tough. These games all look the same. The players all look the same. Everything's a flat line. You want to talk about a team that's just skating on a treadmill? if you will. The Penguins are 3-4-3 and 3 in their last 10 games. They haven't scored more than three goals in any of those games. 10 games in a row. Look at the names on this roster. Look at how hard they're trying within what it is that they do, meaning as individuals. The efforts almost entirely been there. The first ten minutes against the Jets, they didn't defend hard enough. But it's funny, they still skated hard. They just tried to go pond hockey with a team that they can't go pond hockey with, and they hate that. It drives them nuts. It embarrasses them. So now here they are again. Tomorrow night the Panthers will be in. I happen to believe that the Panthers are the class of the Eastern Conference. I don't care what the standings show on a given day. I believe they've got it all, and I believe that. Their ascent into the Eastern Conference Final last season was anything but a fluke, even though they sneaked in, well, really, thanks to the Penguins, as the eighth seed. There's so much there. The skill, the speed, the size, the toughness, the goaltending, the defending. They, they've got everything. So you know what's going to happen? Ready? You're going to write it down with me here? Because we can just co-byline this column and get it done and filed even before the puck is dropped, Penguins will come out, fired up, and they'll defend. They'll make sure that Sam Reinhart doesn't continue outscoring their entire power play. They'll at least try to body up on Matthew Kachuk. They'll keep a close eye on Alexander Barkov and and they'll compete. I don't know that they're going to win, but they'll compete. They'll look like they belong on the same ice surface as Florida. They just will. They just will. That's how they roll. Look over the entire schedule. And let's say that in the face of this desperation, which it would have to be, one would hope, that they pull out two pretty nice points. Okay, next night, on to Chicago. Blackhawks stink except when they have Connor Bedard. But they don't have Bedard. Bedard's not supposed to be back from his busted jaw until next week. So, you know, you go out there, you take care of business, you defend those Blackhawks, you might even have it in the back of your mind that they're the team that ended your playoff run. Rockford Ice Hogs and all. No, no, that's the one they lose. That's the one where they try to outskate guys for... No reason other than that they can just kind of casually take the night off from defending. And after that, because they took the first two points, and maybe they'll even sneak out a point in Chicago, they'll all say afterward in the locker room, and I'm going to be out there covering that one, so I'll report all of that, how there were some lessons that they learned, and then they just need to kind of bounce back and treat that next game or games that they play as just the games we absolutely Had to have. There isn't an individual in this to blame. I know, I'm not numb to this, that people want one. Mike Sullivan is to blame, to a degree. Kyle Dubas is to blame, to a degree. Todd Reardon. I'm sure we could find something to pin on Mike Vellucci, too, and Andy Kyoto, but it's... This is principally, not entirely, on the players. This is on about three quarters of these players. Because on those occasions when they've listened to the coaches, they've done well. Tells me the coaches have a pretty decent plan, at least at five on five. When they've lined up against an opponent that interests them, that, you know, piques their curiosity and they do okay. Sometimes they win. When they commit to defending, and I mean really, really commit, meaning in their heads, they still sometimes can't avoid the muscle memory of, "Ooh, hey, look at the jets flying around. Let's try that, fellas. It might only be subconscious. Everyone keeps looking for one place to point the finger. One guy, one guy, one guy. Coach is easy. Everybody does that in hockey. That's why every coach everywhere around the league gets fired like every four months. It's not only easy, but it's lazy. There's real work that has to be done in trying to figure out who's exactly messing up more than somebody else. But the one thing that's certain is it isn't one individual. This isn't a case where you change the head coach and then Gino's actually going to try to pass that puck off the right point in the final seconds in Winnipeg. You know what I'm talking about. You know. Who does somebody think is out there who's going to be able to communicate something that would make it through to Gino in that specific setting? Hey, Gino, next time, just move the puck or something. Oh, your sure, coach. That's a, You know, when we come back, J1Q... was the worst Gino impression I think I've ever done. Oh, sure, coach. First of all, he'd never say sure. He'd say, okay. <laughs> okay, coach. Evan has today's J1Q, and it's also about number 71. Evan says, Gino is a legendary player and a lovable guy. Does he have it in him to retool his game into a more two-way role with defensive upside? He breaks up plays and works both sides of the puck when he wants, but I doubt he'll embrace this kind of role permanently. I hope I'm wrong. Embrace was the best word in this question, Evan. That's really the one that's got to be asked, but also answered honestly. I've had this very conversation with Gino. I've brought up the names of Sergei Fedorov. Of Pavel Datsuk, both of whom, they didn't abandon their offense as they got older, but they built it around their defending. They knew that they could both defend at an elite, not good, not very good, not great, elite level, and they did. But they also were able to get their share of goals in large part because they were consistently good at turning the puck over forcing the attack the other way. Yeah, I brought it up with him. And what I get back is something along the lines of Sergei and Pavel were great players. And I respect them very much. And then he'll start talking about his skating. Gino's answer. And this goes back to teenage Gino. For every time he starts to struggle, but especially when he gets into a deeper funk. And we're now two goals in the past 15 games deep into this one. He'll just do that thing where he revs it up. Thing that Brooks Orpic used to call beast mode, where Gino will just get the puck and you, you can picture it in your head. Back in the Pittsburgh zone, wheel around a little bit to build up some extra momentum. He tried it the other night in Winnipeg. He tried it in the third period. There wasn't one jet waiting for him. There were two. He had nowhere to go. Tried it anyway. If he had somehow split these two guys, there was a third one waiting. You know why? Because they had a pretty good idea he wasn't about to dish. Because that version of Gino is something all of those guys have seen back to their own teenage years. Everyone knows what that looks like. Yeah, Gino's still got wheels. He can still turn it on, and he might have turned it on right there if those two guys hadn't been waiting for him, but they were. And he wasn't able to just will his way out of the situation the way he's been able to in the past. A little thing, but it really, really, really leaped out at me. And no, Evan, that's not that's not a player who's thinking about his next phase. That's not a player who's thinking about how he'll – Reinvent his game the way, for example, Mario Lemieux did when he came back from his three year retirement. He said, You know what? I'm going to be a gunner. I can do all the other stuff. I know that I can pass better than anybody who's ever passed. I can do all this other creative stuff, but I'm not going to be flying up the ice and beating guys one on one the way I did when I was a kid. So I'm going to let somebody else do that. I'm going to gain the zone. I'm going to set myself up on the left side and release one of the great shots in hockey history from any angle, which I choose. Very, very different looking 66 when he came back, yet somehow still pretty much at the same productive pace. No one had to tell him to do that either. He just kind of figured it out. He read himself. Maybe Gino can get around to trying that. Meaning, reading himself. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, we're going to do one more of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel.